0: Uh, I'd like to thank you, Alan, for uh, bravely, or some may say naively, giving me the reins to the Rebel Entrepreneur podcast. I will do my best to channel my inner Jeremy Paxman and get answers to the burning questions that hopefully you're all wanting to know from Alan himself. Enjoy the show. Let's do it.
1: The extraordinary belongs to those that created. Rebelling against business plans and debt rebelling against what society expects of us to build cool businesses make money have fun and do good let's create something extraordinary together welcome to the rebel entrepreneur
0: so yeah i think uh, alan the uh, the podcast does a really great job of um sort of getting the People into doing, you know, the very first action steps and just the small little things to get you going, and uh, you know. So I don't think there's anything we need to discuss there. But my my first question to you would be, in terms of, well, the question is basically, when is the right time to start paying yourself from your business? And kind of my thoughts on that is, how does it work from like a practicality point of view? Really,
1: I love that. Uh, so I think first step is when you transition from being employed to self-employed. There's always this thought of, I'm going to get a salary or a wage from my business. And if you're self-employed, I would say eradicate that from your thinking. You do not think about wage. The way to think about it is profit. And if you make profit, you can do cool stuff with it. If you don't make any profit, there's no money to pay yourself. And I think people have this notion of, I'm going to get... 2000 pounds a month or a thousand dollars a month. And I'm going to pay myself from a business on a regular way. It just doesn't work like that. It just like some months you will earn a fortune and business will come in and you'll make 10 grand profit. And then you'll go three months without everything, anything. And then a bunch more will come in. And it just doesn't work in that wage salary when you're starting. Maybe when you've grown it a bit and you've got team members, there's regular business, there's money coming in, then you're a business and there can be wages for people. There still has to be profit because you can't pay the wages out without profit. But if you've got regular profit, you've got it built up, then you can start to pay wages. And I think this idea of paying myself from my business in air quotations, paying myself, it just doesn't exist in the same way. You either make profit, or you don't, and if you don't make profit, you don't get money.
0: And do you, would you say that? I guess because my thinking behind that is, I guess obviously, I'm coming from a very sort of employee based mindset. Do you think, do you find that's probably a common theme with people that who come to the, you know, your courses, or and that's sort of a stumbling block, or
1: it's a common theme for all of us. (laughs) When I started, it was the same. It was like, where's the wage? Where's the money? I don't understand it. This should be coming in every month. What's going on? Uh, And it was really fascinating. Katie and I went on a course after probably, I don't know, we went on this course, Millionaire Mind Intensive by T. Harv Eker. It's a free course. It's actually very good. Um, And he teaches you to split your money up in pots. And it worked very well for Katie because she had a weekly, uh, monthly salary that she could split amongst these pots of necessities, savings, Da da da. But I just couldn't make the system work. And that's because I didn't have a wage coming in to split. I just had profit. And it was always this source of like, Katie was like, why aren't you doing it? And I'm like, I don't know how to do it. And it actually created some friction between us for some time until she became a contractor. <laughs> And was like, oh, this is what he means. Uh, I'm not getting regular money. I can't do it like that. It just completely changes things. And I think until you've experienced running your own business, until you've experienced that, it's very difficult to understand it. And we can do all the talking we want about this, but there will be a shock when you change over because it just doesn't work in the same way.
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay. So if you were like, cause I mean, I've got an idea of like a product based business. Like, would you, would you, would you, when you crunch the numbers and you decide like sort of what your price point is, would you say, okay, if I'm selling this for like five pounds, would you be looking to say a pound of that is, is like my wage or is that not how you think of things? If you're coming to sort of a pricing point,
1: I think I would be thinking about what I want to earn in a year and then thinking how many can I sell? Because let's say you're selling it for five pounds and you've got a pound profit built in and you're thinking, well, I can sell 50 a month. That's only 50 pounds coming in profit. That's not really going to fund your lifestyle. And I'd be definitely thinking like, how much do I actually want to live on? What do I want to earn? And that does factor into pricing because I think so many entrepreneurs just go, okay, I've made it. The materials cost two pounds three pounds and I'll sell it for five. And they forget it takes them three hours to make it and an hour to ship it and do the invoicing. And they never price in this whole time thing. And you've got to be aware of it because otherwise you're going to be working for nothing. And I've done that in the past. I've priced things too cheaply. I end up working for nothing and it's uncomfortable and then you resent it. So I do think it's got to be thought of. There is an element of trial and error And there is an element of confidence because when you first launch your business, you don't have the same level of confidence to price it as you really should. And most new entrepreneurs underprice their product because of confidence. And you'll do it for six months and then go, I'm not charging enough. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And then you'll have to increase your prices and increase your prices. And then eventually you'll get to a stage where you're okay. I'm earning decent money. The customers are happy. Everything's good um it's going to happen it's part of life you can skip it if you want build your confidence and try and charge more from the start but it's going to happen you're going to price too low then you're going to build up and then you'll get to a level you're confident you're happy you're being paid enough uh and there is a little bit of just trial and error as you go
0: okay there's something there you mentioned that I was thinking about as well like thinking like you know and say you you want to earn this much in a year how specific are you looking to be there, and also how how realistic are you sort of wanting to set it? So, for example, you know if you're currently in a job um, and you're earning like twenty five thousand a year, but you're starting something new, you don't know. Would you say would you have to would you expect to sort of lower your expectations and say, oh, I might I might have to accept like fifteen thousand in a year, or you shoot? Would you say you need to start from where you want to be, and then and and then see how it falls into place?
1: Well, definitely. I'm not a big fan of lowering expectations. I'm a big (laughs) fan of aim high and go for it and see where you get to. Uh, I think the first year, it can be amazing. It can be tough. It just depends on what it is. I earned more in my first year than I did in my second year because I sold to people who had more money in the first year. You've got to aim and go for what you want. It does depend. So here's the factors. Number one, is this a side hustle? So you're doing it alongside employment. If you are, you can build it up until you get to the point where you want to transition. And that can be a less a less risky thing to do. Number two, are you doing what's called the burn the boat strategy, which is where you quit your job without really knowing if it works and go all in? But like, that's huge risk. And you probably know from having listened to the podcast, I'm not a huge fan of big risk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like to do it. Like people think I'm risky. Like they think I take big risks. I don't think I do. I think I'm uber cautious with what I do. But yeah, if you're diving in, then you need to start to think about: okay, how much do I actually need to live? Like, what are my bare costs? Does it cost me fifteen thousand pounds a year for rent, food, transport? Those are the big ones. Um, if so, that's my first target: is to get to that. And then my stretch target is to get to where I'm like earning enough that I can keep saving and investing. But knowing that sort of break-even point of what your expenses are, because most people have no idea how much they spend a month. They have no idea. But if you can know that, if you can know, like, as long as I make £1,500 a month, I'm okay. I can afford my accommodation. I can afford my transport. I can afford my food. I'm okay. Anything above that Is bonus and we'll save and invest or spend it on pizza or whatever it is. But I think knowing that and knowing where you are, you can start to have an idea of where you want to go. I do think aiming high is good. Also, like you're never going to hit your high target in the first year, probably not, and that's okay. But aim high anyway and just go for it.
0: Okay. Yeah. Cool. Interesting. So, did like when you were starting out, did did sort of the money that you thought you could make from it, did that influence the direction that you wanted to go in? Uh, like my point being, how, how much should the passion side of it be affected by the financial side of it? Like,
1: Was I chasing the dollars and the pounds? Was I after the cash?
0: Essentially, yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, so I used to do these sort of diagrams of how excited I am versus how much money I can make. Sort of passion and things. And I would look for the ideas that most excited and I thought I could make the most money. Because let's be honest, money is important. Like it's not the most important thing in the world, but it's right up there with oxygen. (laughs) If you don't have money, you can't afford accommodation, you can't afford food, you can't afford to buy Lego. Like the good stuff in life, it takes money to do it. So you need to earn some money and we need to be realistic about this. We're not doing it just to give all our time away, we've got to earn some money. So I think having that in mind, and I don't know if I've ever done this on the podcast. Imagine your values, Mike. What's important to you? If I ask the question, what's important to you, what turns up? What is important to you in your life?
0: The environment, animals, travel, freedom. That's, I would say, yeah, that's up there.
1: That's the top four. Yeah. Love it. Anything else?
0: sport, friendships, sustainability.
1: It's a good list. Yeah. (laughs) I love that. It's a great list. It's a great list. I did this exact exercise on a course. and It was like, what's important to you? And I was like, friends and family and like doing the right thing and all of this. And then afterwards, the guy looked at me and he stared at me and said, "Um, so where's money on your list? And I looked down my list and went, not really there. (laughs) He said, that's probably why you don't have any, like if money's not important to you, if it's not showing up somewhere on your values, you're not placing the correct focus on it. And you're not going to do what it takes to be able to build the financial resources. And what I've actually realized over the time is money is something that enables me to access a lot of the other things. You mentioned freedom, like money gives me freedom to do what I want to do. Uh, you mentioned the environment like money gives you resources to buy environmentally friendly products that maybe cost a little bit more. Money allows a huge amount of things to happen in your life, and I think it should be on your list of things because with money, you can look after yourself, you can look after your family, you can do what you need to do, like money should be somewhere on your list when you're starting your business because you can do cool stuff with money money's awesome like the amazing things you can do with it you shouldn't be on the top don't get me wrong don't put money above integrity don't put money above helping your family but if it's nowhere on your list we're probably in trouble
0: (laughs) yeah that is true that is true yeah very very true yeah i suppose thinking about it again yeah money is obviously on there but it's it's never it's never been a it's never felt like the, the main driver for me i guess
1: It probably shouldn't be the main driver, but you should have it on there. Like, why are you going into business? To do good, to make some money, to have some fun, to make the world a better place. But money is the thing that facilitates all of this. Like, money is the oxygen of the business. If money's not coming into your business, it's not breathing. It's not surviving.
0: Yeah, no, true. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. (laughs) I'll have to make sure sure I'm focusing on that a bit more.
1: (laughs) Well, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because it gets a bit uncomfortable because you think, well, money, I shouldn't really be focusing like solely on that. Like money shouldn't be the top of my priority list and you're right, but it's got to be on there somewhere because it does take money to live. And if you want to sort your finances out, like have a nice house, go on holiday with your kids, do cool stuff. Like it takes financial resources. And the other thing is it's, I don't think it's righteous being poor. I don't think like being poor helps anyone. I think if you make money, like you are into the environment and animals and things. If you make a bunch of money, you can do a bunch of good stuff with that and you can help the environment and you can do cool things like make money and then do good with it.
0: Yeah. Oh no. Yeah, definitely man. Definitely. Totally agree. Well, so from like, um like a practicality start when you're starting out, when it comes to obviously you changing from like an employee where you know it's all sorted for you everything like that do you need if you're going to move to start paying yourself like what are the tax implications for like i don't we're going to get the taxes but i just mean did, should you get someone on board to facilitate that sort of stuff is it really easy just to manage it yourself from that side of things or
1: so from a uk standpoint it's fairly easy the us is slightly different um but i believe it can be fairly easy there as well the basic sum is how much are you bringing in? How much are you spending? And then the difference is your profit. And it's the profit you get taxed on. So let's say you sell £40,000 worth of stuff and you spend £20,000 on expenses, marketing, uh, cost of the product, travel, and that stuff. The difference is 20 grand. That's your profit. And that's what you get taxed on and that's the same wherever you are in the world um and then like you just need to work that out and actually for your first year i would be saying to you you need to understand the numbers and maybe it's something you outsource after a year but you need to understand what are you selling how much does it cost and what your profit is and i've met so many people who run businesses and they can't tell you those numbers yeah like it's super critical to know how much you're making and it's actually Really affected one of my parents' businesses because they didn't really have a grasp on the numbers and they slowly went into debt and it caused them huge problems. Practical steps you could do it on a month to month basis, do a finance meeting at the end of the month. What do we sell? What do we spend? What's the profit? Based on that, what am I going to do with this profit? (laughs) Am I going to reinvest it? Am I going to live on it? Am I going to have a party because I've done really well? one critical factor is the tax and people quite often make a profit and then forget to put anything aside for tax. So I really do recommend like every month going, okay, we've made this much profit. I'm going to move 20% aside for tax. I'm going to put it in a separate account called tax man's money because it's not your money. It's the <laughs> tax man's. Um, don't spend it on a party. Uh, do you know what the biggest killer of small businesses is, Mike?
0: Uh, cash flow, I believe.
1: Mm hmm. It's cash flow. And this is kind of how cash flow goes. Cash flow goes okay, I'm going to start my business. We've made a profit. Yay! We've made a profit. Let's have a party. Uh, let's go on holiday. Let's spend it on margaritas. Let's spend the profit. Awesome. I've spent the profit. I go back to work. A year later, you get your tax bill for the year. And some of that money is the tax man's money, but you've already spent it. And it's unbelievable. One of our programs is sponsored by uh, Santander. And I was chatting to the guy there and he said, it's unbelievable how many small businesses come to him for a loan right around the VAT quarter or the tax year end because they haven't saved for it. Yeah, and that's just crazy to me crazy so we need to sort of consider these different elements work out your profitability put your tax aside then the rest is yours to do with as you please
0: <laughs> that'll be nice that'll be nice <laughs> now, there's just one, one thing i'd like to bring up alan i don't know if you i don't know how much the podcast listeners come from the financial independence world but uh, i have heard you mention that you had this idea i think it was on one of your blog posts maybe you had the idea of um becoming like your investments being enough to sort of pay your business you pay your business so it sort of just funds itself i just wonder like is that something you're still following is it, how what are your thoughts on that now like is it
1: i still think it is a fantastic goal so i haven't managed to get the business there but i am working on helping each of the team members to get to financial independence. And I keep repeating this to them. I want them to work with us because they choose to work with us, not because they have to get the next month's salary. I think that's so critical that they're in a job they love and they're working here out of choice. So we work very hard to educate them on financial independence. we uh, We've helped them all set up pensions and SIPs that we contribute to. We help them to invest in Vanguard index funds. Like, we've worked so hard to do that in terms of the education. I've yet to get the business there, still in my head, because if the business invests X amount of its profits and we start to grow that, the business will have this investment that will be able to fund the staff and the activity as we go forwards. I think. As a small business owner, you're kind of doing that anyway, because you're doing your own saving investing. When you get to a bigger business and you have staff and costs, then you might need to do it within the business. So I've been able to get myself there. I'm able to sort of help the team members come along and they're making crazy progress at a young age. And then I think the next step is the business. We definitely had the brakes put on that by COVID. That really, really affected us being an events business. Um, but we're starting to get back on it and we made a profit in a year. There was a pandemic and we were a live events business. Like you can't really ask for more than
0: that. (laughs) Yeah, for sure.
1: Like fixed costs can kill you. And there's a difference between a fixed cost and a variable cost. A variable cost is something you just buy for that month or you just buy X amount of it and you spend it to do the work. A fixed cost is something you're committing to for a long period, such as a building a member of staff that you've full-time employed rather than a contractor a contractor is a variable cost a fixed cost is a full-time employee and that's actually what killed my dad's first big business was fixed costs he 20 plus sportswear stores hundreds of staff and the recession hit black friday hit 89 the recession hit people stopped spending on sportswear overnight but he still had to pay for the buildings, and that sent him under almost instantly. Gary, it can be so fixed costs. Wait a while, <laughs> earn some profit. <laughs> yeah. Once you're stable, then think about taking them on.
0: Yeah, well, that leads that leads us into a nice little bit because I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm guessing like listeners are in a position maybe where they've, you know, they've started and they, they've got a bit of traction, um, and they're maybe in a position where they might be starting to think bringing on an, an employee what's what factors are you thinking about there before you can do that like how do you decide what the salary is for example
1: Ooh. so i think before you even get to salary the first thought is do you want to get a contractor do you want to hire someone or do you want a business partner right let's think about it at that level first i am a huge fan of get someone on a contract to start with because it's flexible it's easy you're not committing long-term We just need to sort of have someone to help us with certain defined projects that I think is the best way to do it. And you will learn so much from helping that person with the defined product project that those management skills you will later be able to apply to employees and people you actually hire. I was a bit green when I started hiring people. I wasn't that good at managing. I didn't have that much experience and I had to learn as I was going along, I think I would have done better of doing it as contractors and learning more that side and then going to employing people. I think when you're employing someone, it's a bigger commitment nowadays than you think it is because you got to take care of their pension. Like the government has put that on the business owner you've got to look after them. You've got to pay them if they're sick. You've got to pay them if they go on maternity leave. You've got to pay them if they go on paternity leave. Like there's a huge amount of responsibilities with a member of staff and you've got to consider that before you take it on. So I think my way of thinking about this is number one, can I get a contractor to start with? Before I'm at hundred percent capacity, can I get a contractor? Number two, if my business is sort of stabilized and I've got good income and I know what I'm doing and the contractors are there, maybe then it's time to hire someone. Let's hire someone. Uh, I had a year's worth of money for that person in the bank before I hired them because I wanted to be sure I could pay their wage. And you take a sort of step back on your own income whilst you hire them. But the idea is it will then accelerate you further on in the future and it can be an absolutely incredible thing. One piece of advice that I wish we'd have listened to at the start was hire slowly, fire fast. Uh, We did the exact opposite. We had too much business, so we panicked and we hired really quickly, and it wasn't always a great fit. And then because we were nice, we spent too much time trying to make it work, coaching, supporting... Like, we should have just cut our loss for them and us because they weren't enjoying it and neither were we. And then the question you actually asked was about salary. How much do you want to pay them? Like, that's a tough question. It depends on all sorts of factors. What's the market? Are there lots of people needing jobs? What do other people want? What do they want to earn? How much can you afford? I think to start with, I hired young people because they tend to be cheaper. And because I couldn't afford like to hire a 45 year old as the top of their game. That's going to cost you a decent chunk of change to hire an 18 year old who's fresh out of college, who doesn't know a lot, but is eager. That's a different financial amount you're going to have to put in, but you're going to have to put in a different way. Energy coaching support It's going to cost you in a different way. And I think it just depends where you are, how much you've got, who you're looking to hire. And I know probably 40% of the young people we hired have worked out tremendously well. The other 60% have been quite painful.
0: because <laughs> yeah, that's just the nature of the beast, I guess.
1: Well, you do your best to help people and help them learn the skills. I remember one particular young person that we hired I had such high hopes. I really wanted it to work. It wasn't working. I felt like stuff wasn't happening. I started to get on them. Like, come on, we need to do stuff. Come on. Uh, and it just wasn't working. And I, and I started to go, okay, I need to help them develop the skills to be able to do what I want them to do. So I said, you need to read this book. And he's like, I don't like reading books. Like, okay, well, here's some YouTube videos. There's some podcasts. Do that. Like, you need to do this. You need to do that. And eventually I was like, stuff isn't happening. Come on. And I remember him snapping at me going, you can't force me to learn. And at that point I was like, okay, this is it came over. Like we are a learning company. I need you to learn. You're not inherently born being the best in the world. And I'd worked so hard for months to try and help so hard. And it just like, it didn't work and we had to end it. And it was better for both of us that we did. He was being forced to do something he didn't want to do. And we were both trying to make it work for the best of reasons. It just didn't. That's a shame. So hire slowly, fire fast.
0: (laughs) Hire slowly, fire fast. I'll I'll remember that one. (laughs) 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 So so my last point on the uh, the paying yourself uh, principle is, you know, it's a bit tongue in cheek, but uh, obviously in a position where you're able to employ someone, are you trying to pay the minimum you can get away with? Or do you actually feel, uh, you know, a sense of satisfaction being able to offer someone like a, a good wage and sort of see them, see them thrive?
1: I feel a sense of satisfaction building a team and seeing people thrive. There is a balance to what the business can afford, how much profit is coming in, and you've got to be sensible with your money and have enough saved in the business in case of emergency. You can't just pay out all the profits in wages, but... There is a massive sense of pride in bringing someone on, helping them be able to earn money. James, who works for us, he was messaging me the other day. He's just put his first deposit down on his first home. Nice. And I feel a massive sense of pride. Like He's done it because he's worked so hard for this business. He's bought in the money. and But I feel a sense of pride that the thing that I started and built – has given this opportunity to other people and create livelihoods and income. They'll build families. And I love that. I think it's incredible. There's a sense of responsibility. And I'm not just, I'm not optimizing for profit, which I think is back to the values. Money is on my list, but it's not above family and people. And so I want to help family and people thrive. uh, And I know to do that, it helps to have money. So the more money we earn, the more I can pay, the more I can look after people, the more I can put in their pensions, the more cool stuff I can do for people. Like the profit we earn does a huge amount of good for within the company. The things we produce, like this podcast is funded by the work we do. So yeah, I think we're back to money allows you to do cool stuff <laughs> yeah. and to help people. <laughs>
0: Cool. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I think we've covered everything, uh, in terms of, uh, paying yourself, right?
1: Well, you tell me, uh, you're in charge of the podcast, <laughs> Mike, this is your show. I love that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think it's a really interesting one. Go out and make money and you can pay yourself really well and live a phenomenal life. And I think it's great. Go and earn money.
0: Put that on my wall. Go go and earn more more capitals, more money.
1: (laughs) We think Simon and I uh, have this thing we used to to say to ourselves um, back in the early days, which was like, go and earn a shed ton of money and then you can take care of the rest of your problems in style. And like money's not the be all and end all, but it does make life a lot easier when you have it piled around.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. Yeah, so the second question I'd like to raise, Alan, with you, if that's okay. Um, and I, I'm wary that there's, um, you know, there does seem to be a lot of uh, American viewers of uh, or there's, there's sort of an American slant on the podcast, you know, if you don't mind me saying, I think, a little bit. Um, so I, I will just point out that this is kind of from a UK perspective. Um, so the question is, uh, how would you improve traditional education to cultivate an entrepreneurial spirit?
1: it's interesting you say that. So the podcast has a completely global audience. There is, I guess, what, 60% of the listeners, 50% of the listeners are in America. There's a huge chunk from the UK. Um, and the interesting thing is like education around the world, Like, there's differences in the systems, but there's also some very big similarities. And what would I do to improve traditional education? I think to cultivate an entrepreneurial spirit, I think, I don't think it matters where you are in the world. I think the idea is to help people spot problems, fix it, and charge for it because that's the basis of entrepreneurship. You spot something's wrong <laughs> that you can improve the world, improve someone's life, uh you work out how to fix it, and then you try and build someone for it. That's the basis of it. So if we could start to ingrain that mindset and help kids to understand that the way to truly be successful in life is to fix problems to make the world a better place i think that would make a huge difference but what we generally do is teach children how to answer questions how to figure out math questions how to learn different things we don't necessarily teach them to spot and solve problems and i think like right at the root of it that would be where I would be starting is to help kids go, okay, so where are the problems? Have a look round. What problems do we have? Uh, how do we solve them? Let's come up with ideas, learn how to brainstorm ideas, learn how to put that into action, learn how to implement it. Uh, and then who are we going to charge for it? <laughs> have a <laughs> quick look round. Uh, ask them if we can find a customer. And I think if you could ingrain that right at the start and help kids to spot problems, fix them and charge for it, I think we'd have a whole different world because you'd have a bunch of problem solvers running around making the world a better place.
0: I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously that sounds, you know, it, it sounds simple when you say it, but I, I don't know if you'd agree <laughs> that the, the the reality is, you know, the vast majority, I think, especially in my own cir- circles that I see, like they just have like, a, you know, you, you get a job and you become an employee mindset. And it's it seems to me it's like the small, tiny percentage who, have this kind of entrepreneurial drive, um, and you know, I, I can only assume I feel like a big part of that is going through the whole education system for like you know what, fifteen years of your life or whatever. Um, so I think you've touched on a few there, but like specifically, what what do you think are the main problems that are maybe stifling stifling that sort of mindset as you go through?
1: I think it's the fact that there's a right or wrong answer. Like education is built on you are right or you are wrong, and that's it but that's not what real life is. There's, there's not right or wrong. There's many different ways to do things. There's many different shades. There's thousands of ways to become quote unquote successful. There's no real right or wrong. And I think it's developing that sense of like, there's different ways to do it. Obviously there's right or wrong when you're talking about history and dates. Like when was the Magna Carta signed? there is a right or wrong answer and you learn that. But that doesn't really help you when you go out into the world. And I had this thing I spoke to Simon about a long time right in the start. And actually we wanted, right when we started this, we wanted to change the way education is run and help kids. That was where I started with all of this was running entrepreneurship courses in schools. And my thing was, if I look at the skills that make me successful today, the skills that have made me successful are a positive mindset, ability to sell, ability to market, ability to present, ability to invest and manage my finances, ability to connect with people and build rapport, networking skills. Like you list the skills that make me successful today. None of them were learnt at school. They didn't teach me any of that. I learned them afterwards painfully by making mistakes and through self-help books and going on courses and I, I just think the skills that are needed today are very different than the ones they actually taught in school and it is changing and teachers are doing their best and everyone's trying to make this better I just think we need to fundamentally give kids the skills that will actually help them be successful which is how do you think how do you stay positive how do you manage your mindset how do you sell how do you market how do you communicate like they are phenomenal skills that will pay dividends for the rest of your life
0: that nice that leads nicely into the next part then so imagine uh, Gavin Williamson who is obviously our esteemed uh, education secretary <laughs> he he gives <laughs> he gives you uh the reins to the national curriculum and he he allows you to make one specific change what what do you think that that change would be
1: <sighs> that's tough because i'd like brainstorming the ideas I'd love to do everyone goes through an entrepreneurial module where they actually build a business not a write a business plan and do a dragon's den shark tank thing. That I think doesn't help anyone, but actual build a business, you have to create a product or a service, sell it, make some money, uh, and pay taxes on it. Uh, I think that would be phenomenal. My second idea would be it's the actual way to think. So, how do you think creatively? How do you remain positive in the face of challenge? How do you manage your mental health? How do you think? And control your thoughts and work with your mind to be a happy person. I think I'd love to find happiness and positivity and those things taught. I don't know. Like, we can vote on which one. But I think (laughs) either of those, you asked me for one and I've given you two. I know that. Um, Either of those would make an incredible difference on the people that come out of education.
0: Yeah. I think the, I think the creating a genuine business would be, it would be amazing. I think that, yeah, that would be, that would be cool. And I reckon you would like kids are so creative, man. Like, or even like young adults, like, yeah, we'll go with that one. Yeah. let's. You need to write, write a letter to the MP and say you want to, you want to come in and, and, and uh, start a course and create a business with some kids.
1: <laughs> That's where I started. You know, that was my first entrepreneurial course was uh, three schools grouped together. There was a, a special ed school, uh, a PRU, which is a pupil referral unit for the kids that find it tough in normal education and a mainstream secondary all came together. And I did a nine month entrepreneurial program where they built businesses, tried to sell things. uh, And that is what started to inspire me on this journey to help people.
0: Oh, wonderful. So, I mean, how did you find that then? Like, you know, how did it go? What did you learn? Like.
1: I was trying to build a network. I was trying to build a training business and I was going networking. And this guy was like, it's not quite what you're looking for, but I've got this friend who's a teacher. um, And I met the friend who was a teacher. I loved him. He said, I went to school. Then I went to college. I got my degree. Then I went straight back to school to teach. I've never been outside education. (laughs) And now the government are telling me that I have to teach kids how to run a business. I have no idea what I'm doing. I've got a budget. Can I pay you to help me? And I was like, yes, you can. Uh, Of course, I'll come up with something. So I wrote this nine-month program with all sorts of things. We did positivity and confidence. We did a board break where the kids write their uh, biggest Barriers to success on a board and smash through it. And they get really excited. Then they built products and they offered them to real customers. And I did this nine month program and I learned a huge amount from doing that, that has influenced how I've built Rebel Business School, how I think about helping people to make progress. And actually at the foundational bit, that's one of the main reasons confidence is at the heart of what we do like if you help people to feel confident they'll go out and do stuff if they don't feel confident they'll sit inside and ruminate so starting with confidence makes such a difference
0: is that something you can see yourself going back to or are you just fully focused on like the sort of the adults and
1: it was my worst year financially schools don't have much money. I made nothing <laughs> spent an entire year. I networked up to the education department all the way through the heads teachers. I made no money doing it. I made a difference in the kids' lives but at that point, I needed to earn money to be able to live to pay my mortgage to pay my food and there just wasn't the money to be able to do it so I changed to corporate education where I made a lot more money and i was able to afford a nicer house and save
0: yeah okay that's fair
1: so maybe in the future i think this is my effort of doing it right now is the podcast like it's out there people are listening um teachers listen to this educators listen educators listen to this and they're taking the methodology out there so i think this is my effort
0: yeah fair so, in, in looking looking back when you were at school and college, I don't know if you went to college or not, but did do you feel that built any sort of entrepreneurial spirit in yourself or not at all? Did your influence come from? <laughs> I'm guessing maybe your dad or
1: something. <laughs> I'll yeah, take that education a... <laughs> did not build uh, that entrepreneurial skill. I so I went i I made it up to sixth form college, so I finished education at 18. I never went to university. I never got a degree. I actually couldn't wait to get out of education. I really struggled with it. And my entrepreneurial spirit actually came from my dad struggled massively financially. His business went bankrupt. He was very wealthy and then very poor very quickly. And he couldn't afford to give me money for pocket money and money to pay the train to go to college. So he said, I can't afford to give you money, but I can give you an opportunity you can take anything from my sportswear store and sell it at college and you can keep the difference and I was like oh this is interesting so then i took stuff in and started to sell it to my mates and other people and i sold shirts and t-shirts and trainers and um yeah one month at college i made two and a half times what i made in my first job uh, i started to make decent money at college and it was my dad giving me that opportunity and sometimes he gets a lot of stick on the podcast for the decisions he's made but that's one of the best things he ever could have done for me is say I can't give you cash but I can give you opportunity and it's up to you what you do with it and I didn't like it at the time but I did it That's where my entrepreneurial spirit came from. And then I started to make money. I started to see, whoa, not only can I pay for my training to college, I can pay for a lot of pizza. I can have fun. I can buy food, like the good stuff that you want when you're 18. Uh, And life really did change from there. So it happened at college at like 16 to 18, but it did not happen because of formal education.
0: No, I mean I can totally get that. Like my is like I mean I remember doing GCSE business and and that you know you did a, a coursework where you had to invent a business and sort of do the planning side of it. And you know my memories of that it was it was kind of fun. But then I did it at college, AS and A level, and I think that just killed it for me. You know for 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 a lot of years it was it, man it was so boring and there was no reality of business at whatsoever. It was all just learning sheets of Oh, this is a you know an LLP or you know a limited company. Like, but there's oh man, it just it just destroyed the the, the even thought of uh, starting a business where you know when really it should be doing the opposite. I
1: think, but well, I think it's the exciting bit: sell something, make some money. And I always like to repeat: there is there is a moment on an entrepreneur's journey when they make their first twenty pounds or twenty dollars, and they're holding it in their hands the customer's happy they're beaming they've made money and it's like ah i did it i did it <laughs> i've got some money and it's just unbelievable like if you could have that experience for children where they sold something they improved someone else's life and they got paid for it they'd get addicted
0: yeah i know i've got like cuz like I said, I'm still sort of in the early stages, you know, I'm 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 coming from an employee thing. But I remember like Amazon made it really easy to like sell used books and you could make a you know, something a little and even though I might have made like two pounds, three pounds, just the act of actually like selling something yourself and getting paid for it, I just remember feeling like, Oh that you know, that felt good, like
1: <laughs> <laughs> It's <laughs> such if, a buzz. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's just but yeah, I think education just just it's it just takes that away from you you know
1: yeah and i'd love to help them get more of that buzz more of that real life energy more of that inspiration because if we could inspire a generation of kids to get out there and build businesses make the world a better place like it would change everything
0: so what are your thoughts on just lastly a bit of a change attack like there's a I, feel, I sense that you know there's a bit of a, like um you know the college dropout major success story that's a you know i think of like you know, Richard Branson and Alan Sugar, that sort of thing. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think it's a bit overhyped? Do you think, like, education still has a, you know, a strong place in someone's, you know, foundations? Or do you feel like that's the way to go? Like, the more people stepped away from traditional education, like, we might find ourselves in a better position in a few years' time. I don't know.
1: So I don't think it's an an either-or. I think it depends what you want to do. If you want to be a doctor, if you want to be a lawyer, if you want to do some of the different jobs an accountant, a formal education is incredible. I think if you want to be an entrepreneur, self-education is going to be where it is at. Like go build an actual business, study self-help books, get the courses, do the stuff like that. Like it depends what you're trying to achieve and there's no right or wrong answer here. Katie went down the formal route. She got her degree. She went straight to Deloitte. She worked uh, in the big four accountancy firm. She did really well. She earned her money and she did fantastically well. I went the opposite route, dropped out of education, built my business, and we've both ended up very happy uh, and financially independent. And I don't think there's right or wrong. I think it's what works for you and what makes you happy. I think if you want to be an entrepreneur, Ditch formal education and get on with building a business. Like, it's daft. Like, stop learning and start doing and learn on the way. Because, like, you will learn more from going to a customer and then getting rejected and trying to work out why and then studying sales books and reading your own stuff than you will on a four year degree. So, it just depends on what you're trying to achieve, Mike. And, I don't want to dis formal education because I think it has an incredible place and creates some incredible structures. But it's not right if you're trying to build a business.
0: I guess my final point in that, because obviously you've got your extremes. You know, you've got your doctors, your lawyers, but then, then then you've got your entrepreneurs. But but like my my I suspect like there's a lot in the in the middle who move towards like traditional employment based on the system. Like I think I mean I know. I know you've sort of dipped your toe at least into the sort of self-help world, Tony Robbins and that sort of stuff. And I feel like, I don't know if you've come across Bob Proctor at all.
1: I have, yes.
0: Yeah, I've read a couple of his books, you know, a few years ago. And I'm sure it was in one of his books. And it was like, he said, like, he made a point, um, you know, why don't large elephants, when they're getting, you know, in the circus, why don't they just break everything down? and like just busts for everything. And and he said like what they do when the baby, when the smaller elephants, the time to like a metal pole, so they can't actually pull it out the ground. And what that does is mentally, when they get bigger, they, they still think that they're stuck in that position. And my suspect, I suspect that maybe that's kind of what traditional education does in a lot of people's minds. I don't know.
1: Is your shackled to a belief that that's the only way to do it. And then it takes a lot to break it out there. i like if there was one thing i'd say to everyone listening to this is do your own study i don't care what your age you are read self development books learn how to be more confident L- learn about negative beliefs that trap you i was so lucky mike when i was when i was about 21 i was working in my family business and you don't want to be working in the family business when your parents are getting divorced So I left very quickly. My family broke down. I left my work. I went to see my girlfriend and said, will you come uh, to Brazil with me? I've got some money saved up. I'll pay. Come away with me. And she said, I don't love you anymore. So kind of every area of my life fell to pieces. And at that stage, someone handed me a book, which was called Notes from a Friend by Tony Robbins. And it was my intro into self-development. And that one moment... The guy's name was Matt Vey Mihailovich Ananin. and uh, What a great name. Thank you, Matt. If you're listening, thank you for that book. It changed my life. That one moment sent me on a self-development path of learning how to manage my thoughts, be more confident, and that changed everything. So if there was a a message to anyone out there, do not rely on education. Learn for yourself read the books, start at the beginning, do the study because you can build anything you want to just learn it.
0: Yeah. No, cool. For sure.
1: Mike, this has been a huge amount of fun. Thank you for such thoughtful questions, ideas, and comments. I've absolutely loved it. Uh, I know you don't really have a business to promote yet. Uh, is that in your future? Do you think you're going to be starting a business at some stage? What are your plans?
0: yeah so uh, I, I'm def- there's a, there is an idea that just won't leave me alone. Um, <laughs> you know, so it is in the it is in the planning stages. Uh, I know what direction I wanted to go and I've got the sort of the mini experiment in mind that I can do to see how it goes. But yeah, things are a bit busy at the minute, so it's unfortunately not at the top of my agenda, but um, no, it is definitely uh, you know definitely in the sort of short to medium term plans.
1: I love that. So, is there anything you need help-wise from the audience, from me?
0: Um, at this stage, I don't think so. I think once I've got a, a product actually, you know, ready to try and make something of, then then I'll definitely be back in touch. But at this stage, you know, it's it's just a, a back of the envelope idea. So,
1: <laughs> so it's time to run that mini experiment and get it out there and see what people react to it. Exactly. Awesome, Mike. Thank you for taking over the podcast. Please end the show with your inspirational message.
0: <laughs> well, okay. Thanks, uh, Alan. Thanks for letting me uh, take over. Um, I hope everyone's uh, enjoyed the, the questions and got some information and you know answers that they were they found insightful and enjoyed. Hopefully, you've learned what's needed to think about paying yourself uh, when it comes to going you know a lone soldier and you're not getting an, a salary from an employer. <laughs> uh and then you know also maybe you've had some things to think about in terms of education like don't go dragging your kids out of school anytime soon but yeah but you know um yeah maybe just have a little think about that and um you know create your own path
1: thank you for listening to the rebel entrepreneur it's goodbye from mike and alan you can have any life you want to choose to build something cool choose to take action choose to work to make your dreams become reality stand out be different be yourself be a rebel entrepreneur